When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Maureen in New Zealand, good morning to you all, wherever you are. Um, good Monday morning to review what happened over the weekend, and we're certainly going to do that uh, in terms of rugby with uh, Jeff Wilson very shortly. Of course, uh, Jeff uh, hosting and working for Sky. Uh, of course, he's on the breakdown, uh, and uh, he's uh, run. A, he's going to run his uh, finger over what happened uh, at the weekend in terms of results. Phil Jones, Phil Jones, tall black legend, absolutely, and now a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame. We'll be talking to Phil Jones just after ten o'clock about his career, uh, but and uh, about the NBL over the weekend. Some interesting matchups there. He's uh, heavily involved in that in terms of commentary as well. So we'll talk to Phil Jones. Uh, Andrew Voss, just after 11 o'clock, of course, with uh, the wrap on the uh, NRL. <coughs> we'll talk about the Warriors, as, of course, as part of that. Uh, and also we'll have uh, we'll talk to Araha, actually, and we'll be talking about Formula One, uh, as we like to uh, on a Monday. Uh, and also, uh, just after 9.30, we're going to welcome your calls on uh, any subject at all uh, of what you saw over the weekend, what impressed you and what didn't impress you. Um, you can talk about uh, how good the Brumbies were or some of our New Zealand sides with big winning margins in the rugby or you can, can come to us on what you saw uh, with the Warriors. So that will be for a chemist warehouse voucher of 50 bucks, and that'll be just after 9.30 this morning. Sport is our religion and here is Smithy's Sermon. So those goddamn Warriors, yep, will continue the theme. They just kept doing it to us, don't they? 13 against 12 for 15 minutes, 13 against 11 for 10 of those, and they still couldn't conjure up anything to threaten the Sharks. Surely when you're down on numbers for that long, a football field gets quite a lot wider, harder to defend over a period of time. You'd be pretty pleased if a side with a numerical advantage kept banging away at you up the middle. That area is a lot easier to protect when you're all clumped together. So during halftime in the sheds and out on the park for that whole time, could no one, no one come up with a strategy to spread the defence thin by taking the ball wide, giving steppers like Reese Walsh bigger gaps to work with. And without a specialist fullback under the high ball for 50 minutes, surely there was an opportunity for a clever kicking game to come to the fore. Apparently and obviously not. Coach Brown and summarising couldn't fault the effort or the commitment as opposed to the Anzac Day mauling, but he was he must secretly be yearning for a brain on the park, a strategist, a thinker, to make adjustments and nut things out on the spot. One can only imagine what a Thurston, a Johns or a Lockyer would have done 
were those odds in their favour. It was a performance lacking or showing a lack of skill or competence, or to put it more succinctly as the dictionary says, inept. Yes, that's it, inept. I wonder what this week's episode has in store for us. Swings it across for Hilson at first receiver. Now Morgan gets stumped again. Now it's away for Rayasi. Rayasi, little bit of space, decides to go and down and gets there. Of the scrum, now delivers to Roygaard. Goes wide, lovely pass. And a hat trick for Josh Morby. And the Hurricanes on fire. Hurricanes on fire all right yesterday as were uh, a number of sides uh, from New Zealand over the weekend, <coughs> including the Blues with uh, a 71-28 mauling of the Rebels. Yes, the Hurricanes 67-5 over the Drua and the Crusaders 53-15 over the Force. So pretty one-sided affairs all in uh, our team's favour and uh, watching it, I'm sure, with interest, uh, of course, former All Black and uh, Sky commentator, host, etc. Jeff Wilson. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the show this morning. Thanks for your time. Morning, Smithy. We didn't get it all our own way. We didn't get it all no, our own way. We didn't. We had some dominant performances, um, you know, and so, you know, I think it's, it's easy to look at, at the big score lines, but, but in the end, I think the, the real contenders on the weekend probably put their hand up and, like you just said, like the Blues, you know, they, they played their best side other than Bowden Barrett, um, and uh, the Hurricanes were dominant against the Drua. And look, I think we found out, you know, um, how good the Brumbies really are. We did. Uh, we, we'll get. Uh, I'd like to get to the Brumbies very shortly because uh, I, I was at that game and I, I watched uh, with interest because they're pretty damn cool, all right. They've got a great uh, coaching setup and uh, they implement plans nicely. The Blues, though, yeah, as you say, are very, very dominant, kicked into gear, and when they're in that kind of mood, it seems they are exuding confidence and playing against a side like the Rebels and demolishing them. What impressed you about that? Well, the fact that after four minutes, they were down 14 to nothing. And mm. it could have been quite easy for them to have then sort of almost gone into their shells. But I think they clearly went into, into the game with an, a game plan of, of wanting to play to use the skills and abilities they had across the park. They've been pretty reserved up until now. They've been pretty, I wouldn't say negative, but they've been reluctant to play too much rugby in their own half. All of a sudden, in some ways, when they got behind, they were forced to play. And so they started chasing some points. And when they started to chase, we saw their skill sets come out. And I think this, it was a mirage for the Rebels, really. You know, um, they were completely outclassed. Uh, the speed and skill the Blues showed. And when they got them under pressure, they just didn't, they just didn't show up. Um, the Rebels defensively, and uh, they scored 28 points, but to concede 71 tells you that, uh, I think at half-time, they missed only 15 tackles, but they conceded seven tries. So they just, they weren't in the contest once the Blues got going. So it was a, it was a really, really good game for the Blues to, I'm not, I, I don't I don't put too much stock in the fact they, um, they've improved because of it, but in saying that, it, it, it shows them that they've got some weapons that they can use. Finally, uh, the Highlanders get some reward for uh, a really um, frustrating season. I think it's the, 
the best word for it, Jeff. But that was a really good performance to hold on against the Reds. And I've put a, a big circle around the name Falau Fokatava off the bench there. Uh, that was uh, some injection. You, you find a way to get some of these Hawks players, Hawks based players, always into the conversation, and deservedly so in this case. Um, the work had sort of been done in some ways, but they needed someone to come and finish it off. And this is what he did two years ago for the Highlanders um, on a number of occasions. And it was just really nice to see for Falau, given the fact that the challenges he's been through it was a major injury that he suffered. And, and this was sort of building on the glimpses we'd seen already this year. It was just the opportunity for him to shine. And, and um, you know, I think for now for the Highlanders, that was their big game, really, to, to give themselves an opportunity to, to fight their way into the eighth spot, maybe maybe even chase a seventh spot in the playoffs. But now they're in the playoff picture. And, and that was a really good performance. I, I, I'll give you another name, though, I thought that was a really, really impressive. And that was Billy Harmon. You know, I, I thought... Um, you know, last year he was really, really good. He's just been only just come back into the frame after an injury as well. And, you know, he played a big, big shift of 80 minutes. And he was everywhere. And, you know, it gives them a little bit of depth at that um, loose forward position. They played the two open sides with Lynchies. And, and uh, Mika'ali Tu'u um, has really stepped up his game. He has shown that he is a class number eight. And I, I think he's a player that we're going to keep a real close eye on because he's making some a, a really big push at the back end of this um, campaign if he can stay healthy. So I think that loose forward trio is, trio is going to give you know the Australian teams for the rest of the comp some real trouble. After 20-something minutes or 25 minutes, Moana Pacifica up 17-0 over the Waratahs without Michael Hooper, and I thought, here we go. Um, and then they couldn't hold on. Simple as that. Well, they just couldn't, they could, it wasn't even holding on, I think, in some ways. It was just taking one or two more opportunities to, to sort of to take the game away from the Waratahs. And this is probably a good sign for the Waratahs that they hung in, they hung in, and then when they got opportunities to score, they took them, whereas the Moana team will be ruining the last few moments of the game where you know they had perfect field position, they had the Waratahs stretched and all um, managed and shapes and form, and the Moana Pacifica team had has been here on a number of occasions and just not quite able to, to deliver that killer punch. And that's exactly the same situation the Drua have faced in a number of games this year. And this is a, a learning. We talk about learning. They'll learn this, but they'll be bitterly disappointed because that game was there for the taking. You're right. They, they got in control early. And, you know, um, and this is probably credit the Waratahs, though. They... They recognised they needed to, to turn it around, and without Hooper, they managed to put on and, and, and get the, the points they, they desperately needed in terms of giving them some confidence um, going going into the playoffs as well. So, look, that was big for the Waratahs and probably for Moana. That sort of closed the door on their aspirations. Um, they've still got a game to make up against the Force. That could present them another opportunity, but um, I, I think for them, um, you know, a, a missed chance on the weekend at Mount Smart. Yeah, I, I totally, totally concur with that. Uh, I also agree that the Brumbies uh, looked the real deal. Uh, trying to find fault in their performance was pretty hard at the weekend. The Chiefs were gallant, gallant, 38-28 in the end. But I think um, in the end, uh, for all their bravery, the Chiefs perhaps just lacking in a couple of areas that the Brumbies were very, very good in. Yeah, look, I, I really I really did think that the, the Chiefs were going to get up on this one, but this... You know, and it's not that I was surprised by the Brumbies. I just thought the Chiefs at home would, would be able to put 
enough pressure on them up front. You know, that was a really, it was a really strong forward pack. But I, you know, there's, I think there's 15 Wallabies in this Brumby squad that played on the weekend. Um, and that's, that's something, you know, we, I, I suppose we haven't seen um, through the course of this competition for a while so many in one place. And they looked as though they're united. They have got momentum. They're playing good rugby. Three New Zealand scalps in a row. The Brumbies in Hamilton, uh, beating the Chiefs in Hamilton. I mean, I think that's a, you know, that's a huge confidence builder for them. But they're playing really, really well. And the quotes, outstanding. Outstanding halfback. Really, really is. He is just a, a competitor. Um, creates uh, for his side. He's the perfect, he's the perfect halfback way that they want to play. Um, their forward pack is, is I re- I'm really impressed by them. And, and um, you know, this was a this is a tough one for the Chiefs. Uh, it really, really was. They do welcome back some guys though. Um, in the next few weeks, couple of weeks, I'm hearing Brad Weber not too far away. Um, Brody Retallick a couple of weeks away. They'll 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 certainly certainly help. Um, for them going forward, you can tell they're sort of missing. They are missing Anton Leonard Brown, um, you know, in that midfield, and and Joshuani as well is to return. So that may give them a lift. And they're not going to see Anton Leonard Brown, of course, for the rest of the season. But those other three guys might just give them a lift in terms of some of their accuracies on attack. But they got beaten by, you know, um, you know, arguably, um, you know, the one. The top team in the competition, beside the Blues, those two are the teams at the moment who have got the form on the board. Where do you rate if you rate, rate uh, Michaeli Tu'u, Marino Michaeli Tu'u season, and, and keep an eye on him? Where do you rate Peter Gus Soakula then? Um, look, he, he he was barnstorming for the first six seven six weeks, I'd say, and since then he probably has been good, but not as strong as he had been. But I don't think you can argue his work rate. You can't um, argue um, certainly his effort, his willingness to get his hands on the ball. I think in some ways they may be overplaying him just a little bit now. He's sort of it, it, he's carrying all the time for them. Maybe they just need maybe just to to switch it up a little bit to be able to create him some space again. I think it's it's almost like they're looking for him all the time now. But between him and Mikaeli too, we're seeing a couple of pure number eights. You know, I don't think there's any discussion about where they're going to play in the loose forward trio. I know um, Mikaeli too can play six, but I really like the way he's playing at number eight. So between those two, I think we've got a real good competition. And remembering, now we're going to see as you get closer and closer to the playoffs. And when you get to the playoffs, that's when I really think a player's stock can go up. Mm. You know, and when the pressure really comes on. So that's why we keep an eye on these guys. And But the body of work from both players through the tournament, really good. When you talk about the playoffs, Jeff, you're always talking, of course, about the Crusaders, 53-15 over the force. Uh, was that enough to suggest they are back? Uh, no, not for me. Um, uh, and, and when I say they're not back is because, you know, I think they're still searching for better starts in games, um, playing with better confidence earlier on. Look, the force, on the, at the end, the scoreboard blew out. It went away from the last 25 minutes, um, but I think the Crusaders would like to be the, the team imposing their will in the first 15 or 20 minutes of games. I think they're still allowing some teams to, to to come at them, and the deeper you get and the tougher the games, you just don't want to have to be chasing on the scoreboard. So that would be my my one concern right now. Good signs though that they could put this performance on the board, but but it certainly hasn't been an easy few weeks for them, and. and uh, 
they'll be looking forward to, you know, uh, this week finding out exactly where they're at because, you know, they've got the Brumbies in Canberra. They're not coming home just yet. So, you know, quite often things are out of their hands right now, Smithy, right? It's out of their hands. It's it's in, in the hands of the um, the Brumbies and the Blues in terms of controlling how it's going to play out um, and where you play deep in these this uh, knockout stages. So they've sort of got to sit there. If they beat the Brumbies, all of a sudden it's a different conversation. But they need that one against the Waratah, uh, loss against the Waratahs is really going to hurt them. Let's look at uh, uh, another game that you were very closely associated with yesterday, which was the drubbing, the 67-5 drubbing of uh, Drew. Very, very disappointed on the back of, uh, of a Hurricanes rollicking performance, really. And this fellow, Josh Morby, is starting just to be mentioned a little bit more often. How good was he? And I, I read an article saying that, you know, um, New Zealand rugby's having to expose some young players, uh, questioning our depth right now. And I think what we've seen through the course of this season is teams have all had to go to their younger players, players who are just 20, 21 years old, and they've stepped up just fine. And Josh Morby's another one of those players in his early 20s where you're going, you know what? All of a sudden, they can compete. They can go out and, and with their preparation and their conditioning, go out and play really, really well. And Look, the Drua weren't there. They didn't show up. Clearly, um, going home and playing that game um, in front of their fans against the Highlanders had taken quite a bit out of them. I think emotionally, you know, they didn't appear to be um, engaged yesterday. And they... The captain uh, himself in, in a post-match interview was devastated because he knows not that's not who they are and what they're capable of. I don't read anything into that. But it was nice to see, you know, some debutantes for this Hurricanes team and, and Morby's played some games, but with another opportunity, played really, really well. And so, yeah, I think it was, um, you know, it was, he's got some real ability and he's putting some pressure on Jason Holland and his crew to say, you know what, um, could he be a difference maker? And... And how do we incorporate him into the, the 23 going forward? Because when a guy gets on a roll like that, eh, you want to see them play. You want to keep them out there. And oh, I, I loved what I saw. And I had a great chat to him after the game and the post-match show. And he was just an a, 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 a articulate young man. So uh, game on for, uh, for a player like him. I can't wait to see more of it. Let's look at uh, this weekend then. And you, you talk about the fact that... Um the Drua weren't there. I think they will be there next week because uh, their matchup against uh, Moana Pacific, even though it's not going to have any effect on the table as such or the end of uh, season competition results, uh, what we're looking at here is a barometer game for me, uh, just where they're at. And they must, both of these squads will be looking forward to this, this, uh, this occasion with Relish, surely. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, for, for both of these sides, and, and they'll both see it as an opportunity, but it's a, it's a landmark occasion when two new teams can play against each other in a competition which, you know, I really... You know, I, was, I had my question marks when it was announced last year about these teams coming in, about the future of Super Rugby Pacific, and I'm getting more and more encouraged as we get deeper into this competition about where it can get to. And both of these two sides will... I think, just really enjoy playing against each other. They will throw their unique styles against each other. Um, there, there, there won't be a, a familiarity about it. We know there's going to be a huge fan base there to watch it. So let's, uh, let's enjoy and celebrate it. And, and um, I just think there'll be great interest from everybody. And uh, let's just hope we get a, a, a great game because 
you know, I, I know both of these teams will be desperate to, to win the first one. It's always nice to win mm. the first one. It'll always go down in history. Um, and, and I think everyone's been impressed by the nature and the way they've dealt with their different challenges um, uh, throughout the course of, of the first season. Jeff Fogson, thank you very much for your time this morning, making yourself available uh, and that review of this weekend. Yes, I look forward to that match this weekend and the Brumbies Crusaders, I think, be a cracker, eh? Hey, thanks. Yeah, I got, look, I can't wait. Uh, look, every weekend from now, there is so much at stake. So this is this is what you sort of you, you look forward to. And I, I can't wait for another a great weekend. Thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks, Jeff Fogson there with his uh, look at what happened over the weekend there and um, and as, as acknowledgement too of the, the young talent that's coming through the system and uh, yeah, very, very good. I, I was so impressed uh, with that Brumby side. The reason why I was so impressed with them is they're very professional uh, and at the end of the game they weren't overly jubilant about it, just keeping uh, a lid on everything. I've got a terrific coaching staff and Dan McKellar and Laurie Fisher. Laurie Fisher's been around forever but he brings so much experience to them. Um, it's just, it just looks like it looked like a Crusaders. You felt like you were watching like a Crusaders, a finely tuned Crusaders squad together, uh, the way they went about that uh, match against the Chiefs. So maybe they've been watching and learning, but certainly they've got the player power as well to be right there at the end of it. Well, what do you make of that? Uh, what did you make of that rugby over the weekend? What impressed you? Who stood out for you? I mean, Fokotava's injection off the bench. Okay, so I'm a Hawks Bay guy. I've been seeing it uh, quite a lot when he's been playing at that level. Uh, but he is now at another level. Surely he's at another level. Uh, we'll uh, look forward to uh, your text on double eight double three, and of course your phone calls coming up 0800-1508-11 for the Chemist Warehouse Voucher. Uh, we'll be back shortly. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. <laughs> A couple of texts uh, come on already. Chris has said, wouldn't be much of a reward if you finish top and have to face the improving Highlanders in the quarterfinals. Uh, I think that's a fair, a fair point, Chris. They just they haven't had a lot of luck this season, have they? Things just haven't gone their way. Been so close in a number of games. Uh, but uh, that performance over the Reds uh, was pretty good. Really, really was quite thorough in putting them away. Caleb has said, uh, I think that one thing uh, we can take away from the season of Super Rugby is that Hawks Bay will be a force to be reckoned with this year. The likes of Fakatava, Makali Tu'u, showing their best, and the combos of uh, Enari, Maklachi, Tuala getting more time under their belt together will bode well for the way this season. Yep, Caleb, I think that's a, a fair point as well. Uh, player retention and uh, the fact that they hopefully they play fit. Uh, yeah, it does. It, it does look good, actually, if you're around this area. Um, mm, 9.30 here on SENZ. Uh, let's uh, look at uh, your part on the show coming up now 0800 150 811 you can win a chemist warehouse voucher to the value of $50 uh, just off that by being uh, the caller of the morning uh, what did you make of the weekend of sport you've got several things you can talk about uh, what was it that really depressed you about the Warriors uh, are we being too hard on the Warriors uh, your take on that game uh, of course and anything you saw in super rugby fantastic uh, weekend of rugby there anything you saw there or any other sport as well your chance on this Monday morning for your review of the weekend sport. 0800 150 811. Back shortly. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 
SCNZ and your chance uh, to get in now, 0800-150811, get your opinion of what you saw over the weekend, uh, good or bad, don't mind. Uh, first up, uh, it's Zade uh, from Auckland, of course Zade is a regular caller to the show, in fact he visited the show the other day as well. Uh, Zade, and you said you were going to the Blues game, uh, what did you make of it? Um, yeah, pretty good performance, I was very impressed by the Iwani brothers, Rico was um, probably best game of the season, and that Kiara Yawani starting to get back to good fitness. Um, that Mark Talia try was pretty good. Um, pretty crazy acrobatics to get it down. And um, also the security guards were pretty good at um, bumping the streaker. <laughs> didn't notice that. So I didn't see the streaker. Uh, but those security guards, so they should. They practice very hard about that. I think they train three or four times a week, with security guards, just in case they see a streaker every year. So uh, what about Roger Tulabasa-Shek, like Zaid? Zade, what, what did yeah, you make of Roger Tuovasashek? Yeah, he's doing his job, playing pretty well. Um, yeah, no complaints about him either. I think he's, yeah, obviously, you know, there's not really much to complain about the Blues when they're not losing. Um, Ten games on the bounce. We're um, yeah, get it going pretty nicely into the lead-off to the, hopefully a um, home quarter-final, which is pretty much, I think, secured really, isn't it? Um, obviously, two tough games to finish, Reds and the Brumbies. We'll see how they go. Um, Brumby's in obviously some pretty hot form. I'd like to get into the UFC quickly though before um, you get onto a next caller. Um, obviously, a bit of problems um, with it's obviously a multi-you know billionaire company and they screwed up the weigh-ins. Um, I heard the scales uh, in the um, hotel apparently were altered with and on Dana White's um, department big screw up, and I don't think Oliveira should have lost his belt because it wasn't really his fault. Okay, Zay didn't uh, realise that. I wasn't uh, aware of those, those scales at the weigh-in. So thanks very much for your call this morning. Uh, Dana White, whatever Dana White wants to happen will happen, mate. You, you should know that. It's his game, and everyone just plays it. Uh, and uh, he gets rich because of it. So anyway, Zay, thank you very much for that. Chris from Christchurch. Chris, good morning to you. Your Crusaders um, are a lot better, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I'm taking a few less puffs on the old inhaler, but... Um I, I think the old play, the playoffs start this weekend, and it's I love I love when the Brumbies are up and the Crusaders go there. We've had some absolute ding dongers mm. in the last twenty odd years, and I, I love those games. And 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 it might be low scoring, but they like test matches. I, I, I quite enjoy them. But I, I actually think there's, there's nothing between the top three sides at all. I don't reckon. I reckon it's basically a, a try here or there, and I reckon the. The ones that can keep the because what's winning it for these teams, I reckon it's the loose forwards. They've got brilliant sets of loose forwards, all three top teams, and the ones that can keep them on the park. Like I've been so disappointed with Pablo Matera until the last three games, and he's starting to fire up. And we're just seeing a whole lot of things with him. We're seeing his running game and over the ball. We're seeing everything. He's pulling it out the last two weeks, and. Uh, we've got a, we've got four really good loose forwards. The Blues have got four, uh, you know four, so I think if, if they can keep whoever and the Brumbies have got a great little set. And Pete Samu, when he was with the Crusaders, pound for pound, he's one of those guys when you used to be at school and play rugby, where you, you get a guy that's not so big, but he doesn't stop and he just hammers you all day and he drives you insane. And he like he won't put big hits on you, but he'll tackle you every time, and 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 it doesn't stop. And um. 
Yeah, so I think that's where it's going to be won. You might have all great first fives and things like that, but I reckon the Lucy's, those three sets of Lucy's that those three teams have got, that'll win the games for them if they're on or if they've got them in the team. Yeah, I looked at that loose forward trio for the Brumbies. I've got to say, Peter Samu, Rob Valentini, Jerome Brown, who's a local uh, local uh, Waikato guy anyway. Uh, and I looked at who they were up against. Now, we're talking about two uh, All Blacks and Sam Kane, Luke Jacobson, and uh, a player, Peter Gasuakula, who a lot of people are saying a lot, are saying could well be an All Black this year at this point. Um, but Samu, Valentini and Brown were simply outstanding. They were, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just, 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 and just as a as a trio, I think they all complement each other, and 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 you know, they just yeah, that, that's what I mean. The other, <laughs> here's the hope. I'm 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 pulling at straws here, maybe. Is we've got two yeah. guys in Grace, Grace and Blackadder, who are just similar to Samu, who just won't give up, and but they hit harder, and that, that's and and just have the the, the finesse of Matera. That's, that's what I'm leading on anyway, and maybe Mwanga might pull out one of those games. But his goal-kicking's been a bit... Mm. been all over the place, actually, um, his goal-kicking. I don't know if many people have talked about it, but it, he, he's missing all the, all the sideline ones at all. You know, yeah, anyway, that's me. <laughs> Chris, uh, thanks very much for your call. I uh, appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, look, I looked at uh, Richie Moonga as well. I'm not sure uh, he's 100%, uh, certainly since his... He's come back belatedly into uh, Super Rugby this year. He had that uh, extra time off that some others didn't have. Uh, but I just think that he was, he's not right there. He's not 100% there. What about Cullen Grace at lock? Uh, does that give the All Black selectors something more to think about as well in terms of utility players? Dean from Dunedin, as always. Dean, nice to hear from you on a Monday morning. Your Highlanders, uh, damn good performance over the Reds. So what did you make of all that? Oh, and I'm mine, mate. There's not enough Southerners in there. That's why I support the Crusaders. There's more play up there. But now they're going all right. I mean, I, I was up at Tikapo fishing, so I listened to the games on the radio. And I tell you what, my multi, that, that knee that Kefu took cost me 475. I thought I had it all picked perfect. And then at five minutes before half time, a five metre scrum, he slips over. They kick to halfway. They get a line out penalty or something. Five yeah, five meter thing drive, fourteen point turnaround. Like that was the game there and then, if you ask me. But I think I was calling Chris. He's on the money, but I don't see the Crusaders with a number seven. I don't actually think they got a number seven. Ethan Blackadder is a six. So is Montero. So they got. They're not. They're not. There's something not quite right in their mix, if you ask me. But and the for the Blues, I listened to bits and pieces of it. I mean that they going they're going good. But it's bull rush rugby. I want to see have they got the Brumbies in Canberra, or are they in Eden Park for that? Do you know? Uh, Eden Park, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see them go to Canberra and have a good crack there. But that that the commentary team on the radio for um, the Chiefs uh, Brumbies game was absolutely outstanding. That Valentino fellow, I've never heard of him, and his name was all day on the radio. And then the guy, the kid Brown that you said is actually a, a Hamilton boy. But the disappointing yeah. thing for me is I heard Sam Kane, this all-black captain of ours, his name got mentioned twice. Once when they read out the teams and they run on the field, and 20 minutes into the second half. Yeah. Well, that's not good enough. For an all-black captain that's number seven, he should be all over the ball, all over everything. And consequently, they got smoked. They got beaten to everything, listening to the radio. And the Waikato commentary team, 
they were genuine in their compliments of the Brumbies and the actual spectacle of rugby also. But what scared me was when they mentioned the two locks for the Brumbies. Now, on the radio, you can't see two metres plus tall, but 120 kilos as well that can run and is athletic. Like, we're at the All Blacks to go to the All Black level now. We've got some big decisions to make up front as to what our locking combinations are. Like, Sam Whitelock, genuine superstar of the game. But is he there anymore? I don't think so. Retallick's injured. All these players that have been around for 10 years, they're starting to get niggly injuries. Now, I'm, I'm harping on we go for some youth, and we go quickly. Like, right now for this Irish series, we've got nothing to lose because with the team we run out at Eden Park, it could be... Now, you don't win there forever, and we've always been dusty first test of the year. The one into Eden, I can't wait for that. But Eden Park, we might get tipped up there. What do you think? I think uh, I think that's a fair point. I'll just go back to that question about the Brumbies. The Brumbies play the Blues in Canberra, so you're going to get your wish there. Uh, that's um, uh, Saturday week, so you're going to get your wish. Uh, they're going to get uh, the Crusaders and the Blues back in, in Canberra, so ideal opportunity there. Totally agree with you on the locking situation. Uh, question marks over Sam Whitelock, uh, and I'm not just talking about this year. Uh, add another 12 months onto those legs. Dean, that's, that's the thing that you've got to be budgeting on when you look to be building for a World Cup. What are these guys' fitness and capabilities going to be like in 14 months' time, not just in two months' time? So, uh, yeah, uh, there are a lot of question marks. I'm, I'm not quite sure whether Josh Lord is going to win us um, a, a test match yet as a, a burgeoning new young talent uh, when it comes to the locking division. Um, really, uh, Tupu Vai was exposed on defence a couple of times. Oh, I, I totally... Totally agree with you, Dean. I, I totally agree. Uh, and are we answering these questions? Are we are we getting any uh, answers to the questions that you, you're posing? I'm I'm not sure we are at the moment. We don't even hear from the All Black coach man. Like at least uh, the guy Stead that coaches the the cricket, he's more than happy to come on your radio show. Like he realizes that he's fortunate enough to have a brilliant coaching job of our team. It's not his team. Forster, I don't know, I can't figure out why he's not available to any type of media to say anything. And when I do hear him, to be honest, he's not that inspirational anyway. So I don't, I just, the, the cattle's always here, Smitty. Like, I don't, I'm not really worried at all. The future's great. Like, look at young Fokatawa, he's not ready yet, but he's TJ's clone. Like, that's exactly what New Zealand does year after year after year. But I think it's the time to change that you can't play 10 years in an all-black jersey anymore. Like You need to get the young fellow, and they've done that. Like They're doing a lot right the NZRFU, so you can't boot them all the time. Like Fokotava's down here with Aaron. He's not just down here to say g'day. You know, he's looking after him, and it's proving that off the bench, he came on. Like, Tony Brown, I've been critical of their selections, but that reserve, and like I say, I didn't see it, I listened on the radio, but when he put the reserves on, it just sounded so good on the radio. Like, he nailed it, but Fokitava, with his snipey runs, when you set your defence for Aaron that kicks everything and got the best pass I've ever seen, and then all of a sudden you bring this other little bugger on that runs, but runs with guts, like he's not a, and he's not a wee boy, Smithy, like he's tall, he'd be six foot two, and He'd be 90-plus kilo. He's a big halfback. Like, your defence patterns aren't ready for that. You can't just change overnight because Aaron's kicking everything when he puts his heel in the ground. You know he's booting it. I don't know why someone just doesn't put a thumb up and say it's coming your way, Mr Banks, or whoever's the fullback on the other team. It's pretty easy to read. 
and you've got to chase. Like, your kick's only as good as the chasers, and I don't think Aaron's getting the support in this chase gang from the Highlanders, but some of the other teams, like Nick White's kicks, yeah, he kicks at five metres higher, the commentators said on the wireless, than any other halfback, so they're waiting on the ball. He's yep. he's on precise. Game there. They were precise. The Wallabies, uh, Dave Rennie will be smiling on, uh, on uh, both sides of his face at the moment, I would be thinking, because uh, if, uh, if he's got 15, 15 Brumbies in his Wallabies first squad. Uh, man, add the other cream from the other sides into that, and all of a sudden we might be looking at something special from the Wallabies this year. Thanks very much to all the callers uh, this morning. Uh, Zane, sorry we didn't have an opportunity to get to you this morning, mate, but uh, got a text to read out from you and also uh, an opportunity for you tomorrow as well. It is 9.45 here on SENZ. The vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Text from Zane. First rainy day we've had in weeks here in Wellington, so I can't even play golf to take my mind off the Warrior. Warriors. Put simply, that was the most disappointing effort I can recall from the Warriors in recent years. Worse than losing to Melbourne. There was a complete lack of leadership and direction on the field. Extremely frustrating to see how many six uh, uh, again, to see how many again and penalties we gave away to allow the Sharks to get out of their own half with ease. Yeah, that, that's the thing. They just don't put enough pressure on for me that in the right areas. And surely when you've got two men down, uh, the width of a rugby league uh, park doesn't change. But it gets wider for the defending team, surely, because they've got less players to cover those areas. It's as simple as that. So why, why don't you expose them wider? Why do you just go to the normal plan of just hitting it up, hitting it up, and then expanding? Expand from the outset. Stretch them early. No? I, I don't, maybe I'm wrong, completely and utterly wrong, but it just seems to me um, when you're looking to defend a, a space with width uh, and you're down on players, that space and that width gets bigger and harder to defend. Uh, morning, Smithy. This is uh, Steve in with the new, out with the old. Time to retire Perinara and bring in Fokatava for the All Blacks. The All Blacks selectors worry me. It's like they try to reward for long service. Make the right call. Bring that younger man in. He is an excitement machine. Uh, thanks very much for that, Steve. Has Dalton Popoli'i overtaken Sam Kane at seven? And is Foster brave enough to pick him over Kane? That's uh, coming from James. Um, Zade, who has already been on the phone uh, backing up his call with a text to say uh, Papali'i is the best seven in the country, uh, Zade and there are a lot of people, not just Aucklanders saying that at the moment 9.52 here on SENZ He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ You got to know when the whole Know when the Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, the TAB were very generous on uh, Saturday night. They gave the Brumbies a seven and a half point start. So we leapt at that and took it at $1.82. And of course, the Brumbies won the match. So that uh, came in very comfortably. Crystal Palace beat Watford 1 0. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks beat uh, Boston Celtics by 103 to 101, and Arsenal did beat Leeds 2-1. So that multi came in at $6.93. Pretty happy with that weekend result, $6.93. So uh, let's hope we can carry the theme on today with uh, the Philadelphia 76ers to beat uh, Miami uh, at $1.70. Miami Heat, a buck seventy. 
Uh, the Dodgers to beat the Cubs. Uh, it'll be at a dollar fifty-one baseball this afternoon, and an MLS that's uh, American Major League Soccer. The Vancouver Whitecaps to beat the Toronto. Uh, to to beat them would be a dollar seventy-two at the moment. A dollar seventy-two, and uh, that would uh, get us a multi-through of four dollars forty-one. Uh, latest event, the PGA, which is the Wells Fargo, as uh, they play the last hole. It's really between Max Homer and uh, Bradley. Um, and uh, it looks like uh, Homer will win. He's got a one-shot lead. He's on the green putting for birdie. Uh, Bradley, uh, for his part of things, is uh, just one shot behind, but he has uh, bunkered his tee shot and hasn't made the green yet. So it looks for all, um, all likelihood there that Max Homer will win. Uh, his uh, latest PGA appearance, so uh, that's about number three for him. I think he's a really handy player. Graham's coming and said, Smithy, I thought the young lock for the, the Canes, Sankster, had an outstanding game yesterday against some of the big fellas. Uh, lock for the future, I believe. Yep, Graham, just a, a far into the future. We'll have to wait and see. Exciting news uh, for basketball fans. We're going to be talking to Phil Jones after 10 o'clock. Of course, Phil Jones uh, has been inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame along with three other people. So fantastic news for him. Uh, also, of course, uh, he's all over the NBL, the Sales NBL. Another round over the weekend. We'll talk about that too. But it's time for the news with Araha and basketball after the break. Gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, round two of the Sales NBL saw the basketball courts of New Zealand buzzing with excitement and atmosphere. It's truly great to see and while it's early days in the 2022 season, some teams are already putting their hand up as genuine contenders for the title, including the unbeaten Auckland Tuatara and the Franklin Bulls. But it was also a big weekend for another reason for basketball, celebrating the 2021 achievements uh, and uh, celebrating those winners in uh, a number of categories, but uh, also uh, inducting four greats of the game into the Basketball Hall of Fame, including our next guest, former Tall Black, now commentator, Phil Jones. Phil, uh, congratulations. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, what does being in the Hall of Fame mean to you after all those years of service? Good morning, Smithy. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I think uh, pretty humbling, to be fair. Uh, I suppose I kind of still feel like my basketball journey is still progressing through now through my kids and coaching and uh, obviously on the commentary side. But, um, yeah, very humbling to be uh, accepted or uh, put into the Hall of Fame. Uh, it's quite a, quite a cool thing. So uh, that's along with Ken Colson, Leanne Walker, and, of course, uh, Kirk Penny. So they uh, joined uh, you at the same time and, and going on to that Hall of Fame. As you mentioned, uh, uh, staying in touch with the game uh, and helping the shape of the future of New Zealand basketball. Uh, high on your agenda, yeah? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, obviously, I've had a lot of uh, pretty cool things happen to me through basketball and you know, managed to travel the world and see lots of, uh, and go to lots of really amazing events, Olympics, World Championships. Um, and I want to help other kids and players get to that stage as well. Um, and I think they have the opportunities that I've had. So, uh, easiest way for me to do that is help through the, the coaching side of things and help kids develop and uh, really fall in love with the sport and, and want to do those things. Because, Phil, numbers are telling us that basketball uh, at that level is hugely popular. Well, it is, yeah. I think, 
there's a lot of appealing about basketball in regards to, you know, you, you see it all the time on TV. You've obviously got NBA. Um, but for the rest of the world, basketball is absolutely huge. And, and it's just taking off all over the place. And, uh, you know, it's a cool sport to watch. There's heaps of action. There's a bit of physicality, um, a heck of a lot of skill. And um, probably, you know, I guess the, the thing in regards to, like, rugby, and I, and I love watching rugby, is uh, basketball's not doesn't quite have the same physicality, you know, not waking up the next morning and being, you know, so sore from getting smashed by the other team. Um, and I think kids are starting to realise that and are starting to move towards basketball a little bit more. Well, if you look back on the playing side of it, uh, from your point of view, uh, what, would you have one standout, one standout that you, you continually look back on and saying that was, that was the moment, that was the time? No, it's got to be um, got to be the 2002 World Champs. Uh, I think that was uh, you know we've had had a platform set by the, the past players uh, for the Talkbacks, but really I think um, the Talkbacks shot into into the limelight after that tournament and the performance we had there um, really put the Talkbacks on the world stage, and uh, you know pretty proud to be a part of that. Uh, team and and where we got to, obviously we're hugely disappointed with the fact that we never managed to pick up a medal. Um, but we beat some pretty pretty good teams along the way, and you know we did actually beat the, the eventual winners, the Yugoslavia team, um, two weeks before the tournament. So um, just unfortunately we came up against them in the semi final. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, that would be definitely one of the standouts of uh, my career. For the, for the youth of today, I mean, the obvious uh, the obvious goal is the Steve, Stephen Adams pathway, isn't it, to, to get to the NBA, but the, the chances of that, uh, coming from New Zealand in particular, very, very slim, uh, Phil, but I mean, you've got a daughter involved uh, in basketball, of course, in Maya, she's already uh, played New Zealand uh, at a very young age, and these kids who continue, to, as you say, to look at the NBA and say, that's, that's the goal, that's the dream, but... Uh, <laughs> There has to be a reality check on it too, because it's you know, it's it's not like wanting to be an All Black. I mean, it's a damn side harder way, to, harder place to get to, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, from a, um, excuse me, I'm gonna, I think from a you know, that NBA perspective, there's only a very small percentage of players that actually make it into that level of competition, um, and you've got to have something. Sort of particularly special about you, and you look at Stephen Adams. You know, he's a seven foot, one, seven foot two guy that's athletic and run and jump, and you know he sort of fits the mould that the NBA looks at those types of players. Um, yeah, so it's a, that's a, a very very tough competition to make it make it, it into. But the you know there's basketball all around the world, and you know, I had the luxury of being able to play over in Europe, and um, you know there's been other players and other players at the moment, and the South NBL that have just come back from European competitions. And so there are opportunities. You've got the New Zealand NBL, we've got the Aussie NBL. Um, so if you really want to try and make it happen, I think there's always an opportunity to do it. It may not be the NBA, but it may be somewhere else in the world. And uh, you know, you've just got to put yourself out there. Obviously, you've got to work hard and uh, try and get yourself to that level that people will look at you and go, yeah, we can use that player in our team. Uh, can we look at uh, some of those matches on the Sales uh, second round over the weekend, Phil? Um, 
Uh, the Giants uh, went down 86-77 to uh, Auckland Tuatara. Another good performance by Rob Lowe. Uh, they're setting an early an early trend, aren't they, uh, the uh, Tuatara? Yeah, they came into Nelson, my beloved Nelson Giants, and beat them, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, they're a good team. And I think the strength of their team is obviously those two big guys they have, uh, Rob Lowe and Chris Johnson. They complement each other very well. Um, and they've got some really tough guards around them with Dante uh, Russo and Ants. And uh, they, you know, they play hard. Um, and I managed to see them twice over the weekend and got to commentator and, uh, when they played the Rams. And they, uh, they just seem to be gelling quite nicely. And Coach Aaron Young is doing a good job with them. Um, and they're going to be a tough team. They've got another piece of the puzzle to add. They've got another import coming in soon. So... That's just going to strengthen their roster again. Uh, I think they'll definitely be a team to watch out for this year. Okay, uh, the other team that uh, looks uh, pretty good as well, uh, Franklin Bulls found a way to slow down the Southland Sharks, and uh, that was a thriller, 79-75. Yeah, well, the Sharks are a tough team. You know, they've uh, got a pretty good core group of guys that have been around for quite a while, and, um, you know, the, the Bulls, I didn't see the game, but I heard it was quite quite physical and quite scrappy and um, you know, the, the Franklin Bulls managed to come out with the win. So again, they've got another piece of the puzzle to add with uh, Corey Webster coming back to the team. You know, so he's a great addition to that team and to the NBL. Um, so it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough call. You know, nice, to, nice to know that there's actually six spots up for grabs this year with the, in the finals. Um, so there'll be two, two extra teams as opposed to the top four. So there's, all, there's everything to play for. What about uh, the Saints? Uh, another heavy loss over the weekend. Um, what, do you, what have you made of the Saints? Uh, I mean, is it all about just unavailability or late arrival of personnel for you? Is, is it, if you're a Saints fan, would you be thinking, God, this is awful? Oh, look, I think um, it's definitely down to the availability of the players for them. Um, I'm pretty sure they did have Jordan Martin and Dan Samuel. They, they would be here, but it was their first game. They hadn't been there for very long. So they are missing a few pieces. Uh, they've got um, uh, Tom Donovich and I think Xavier Cook is an uh, import out of Australia, and he's very good. And those two those players are very good. So you had him into the lineup. Um, they'll be a completely different team. So I don't think the Saints fans should be being too concerned. Um, I'm pretty sure once they get their full roster back, they're going to be a title contender again, for sure. And the, the Nuggets uh, were the, the team that imposed that uh, 83-61 victory over the Saints as well. Uh, slow start to the season for the Nuggets, but uh, just maybe just starting to turn that around too with uh, players coming on board. Yeah, well, they were the team, I guess, that were impacted by uh, availability of players as well. So they played the Giants first up in Nelson and, and uh, came away with a loss there and then travelled to Christchurch and had a, had a pretty tight loss to the Rams. But they effectively didn't have any of their imports. Um, and when they played against the Saints, they had uh, their three imports that arrived. And uh, they've got a, a guy out of Kings, I forget his name now, McCall, um, he he's phenomenal. He had a, a great season in the uh, the Australian NBL uh, for King, for the Kings Titans, and he sort of came into this New Zealand NBL and had a pretty good start to, to the year. Um, so they're going to be a completely different team, uh, and they'll be I think they'll be pretty tough to beat uh, moving forward. 
Well, good. Just take it uh, up to the uh, the NBL in terms of uh, the Breakers. Uh, you were part of the foundation of the Breakers. Uh, you know, some some pretty good days back then when uh, just building to just looking to build the name, build the brand as such. So to see a season like this, um, I, I would imagine it, it gets to you a wee bit to see perhaps the, the fact that they've, they've taken a big step backward this time around. What do you, what do you think needs to happen there? Oh, look, I think, yeah, I, you know, I don't want to step on any toes with my comments or anything, but the Breakers have had a pretty tough ride in the last couple of years with having to face themselves over in Australia and not play in their own home venues. and So that's a pretty pretty tricky thing to negotiate. Um, but I do feel like the Breakers have kind of lost their identity a bit in regards to that New Zealand sort of tight culture, um, New Zealand-based players, um, I feel like we need to see more of our top talent being playing in that team in that league. Uh, we, we seem to have a lot of New Zealand-based players at the moment playing in other teams throughout the NBL. It would be nice to see the breakers kind of get back to where it was in regards to that side of things. But look, um, that was under the, I guess, the tutelage of Andre Lamanis and um, we had the, the Blackwells that were the owners and they were very much about making sure that it was key talent involved in in that team. Uh, and it seems that they may have changed a little bit and it's uh, sort of heading in a different direction. And that, that's, that's, I guess, what happens when you have a new ownership come in and they want to they stamp their identity on the league and make a few changes. Um, but it would be nice, you know, just from my preference to see that change and sort of get back to that, um, you know, more of a New Zealand type based culture and stuff with players from New Zealand playing in that team more regularly. Yeah, uh, it hasn't been good at all. Uh, right, uh, what has been good, the Jack Jumpers, they pushed uh, the Kings very, very close uh, in that second match of, of the playoff series and a remarkable debut season for the team from Tasmania. Yeah, it is. Um, and I think if you sort of said uh, at the start of the season, you know, how are these guys going to go, you probably wouldn't have given them much opportunity. Um, I'm pretty sure I heard somebody make the comment that it was a team made up of players that no one, nobody wanted. Uh, and sometimes, you know, that can work in your favour because everyone wants to play for each other and um, you know, play a particular style of basketball that's going to suit the group they have. And I think they're very well coached. Um, you know, it's not to be forgotten that actually Mickey McConaughey is involved with that group and the, on the coaching and assistant coaching side, and you know his influence over those players, I imagine, will be huge because uh, he's been a winner wherever he's gone throughout you know, any of the competitions he's played in. Um, and I have no doubt at some point he'll be a Hall of Famer in, in our you know, BNZ Awards as well. But that's just a you know a great group of guys that play hard, play together. Um, they've got a fantastic import in Adam, Adams who uh, played phenomenal in that last game but um, yeah that's been a real surprise and it's been great to watch um, Mavericks Dallas Mavericks have just got up and uh, beaten Phoenix to draw that series uh, two apiece uh, good result there for Mark Cuban's uh, team so uh, NBA at an interesting stage uh, Celtics coming back at Milwaukee only just uh, down 103-101 over the weekend Um how do you see it, it, it finishing up the NBA as such? Um, like to be completely honest to you, NBA is not something that I followed that much. <laughs> it's probably more down to uh, a time thing. 
Um, but I, like I, I would love to see Phoenix get up and, and get a win. Um, just for Chris Paul's sake, you know, I think he's an amazing player, and I'd love to see him have the opportunity to get get a, a win in that competition. Um, I also like Wibby Doncic and uh, the way he plays, but uh, yeah, it's probably for me now is it, not the league that I focus on as much as I possibly should. But I love watching the Aussie NBL and the New Zealand Sales NBL. Cool, Phil. Actually, uh, thank you very much. And uh, once again, uh, thanks for your input this morning. But more importantly, congratulations too on the induction into uh, the New Zealand Basketball Hall of Fame. Extremely well done. We, can, we salute you. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Phil Jones there. Um, terrific. Absolute terrific recognition of a sterling service, which uh, has far from over as far as Phil Jones' concern is commitment to uh, the development of New Zealand basketball too is uh, it's absolutely fantastic. It's 10.18 here on SENZ. Uh, when we return, it will be panel time this morning. Uh, Jamie Wall and Mark Hinton to look at a number of issues for us. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Jamie Wall and Mark Hinton are on deck this morning on the panel. A good chance uh, being a Monday morning to look back at uh, some of the action over the weekend. Uh, Jamie, first of all, if we can start with you this morning. uh, Rugby, uh, particularly Hurricanes, Blues and Crusaders all flexing the muscles with the pretty emphatic performances over the weekend. Yeah, morning, Smithy, and good morning, Mark. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, those those results certainly did go the way we thought they would, and I was particularly pleased to see the Hurricanes actually just go and do what they're supposed to do uh, in a home game like that and uh, run in some good tries. And uh, against a pretty pretty disappointing Fijian Drua team that... Uh, obviously playing their first game outside of Australia, or first game in New Zealand at least, and uh, I guess the occasion kind of kind of got to them and, and um, it didn't really show up at all. But, yeah, the, the Blues game on, on Friday night as well, it was uh, really important that they sort of picked up their momentum after a couple of very flat weeks uh, over in Australia. But they, they still won, admittedly. Um, and so they've shown uh, in the last three weeks they can win ugly and uh, win in a very, very pretty style because uh, that was a fantastic game to watch. Um, you know, unless you're a Melbourne Reels fan, I, I don't know how you couldn't have possibly enjoyed uh, what, what went on at Eden Park on Friday night in front of a, a pretty decent crowd too, uh, considering that it's Auckland on a Friday night and a lot of people would have still been stuck in traffic by the time it kicked off. Um, and a, 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 a team that probably isn't the biggest draw card uh, ever. And yeah, as you mentioned, the Crusaders as well. Well, they just got the job done as we, as we thought they would and probably the least surprising uh, result uh, of the weekend. Um, but yeah, those, those three teams all uh, just getting the job done uh, and uh, getting that momentum as we head into the playoffs. Mark, uh, of interest to me was the performance of the Chiefs back home, down a couple of players, but up against a, a pretty slick Brumby side uh, coached uh, by Dan McKellar, uh, departing coach actually, Dan McKellar and Laurie Fisher who's been around uh, long and then you and I put together so uh, they are really uh, looking the goods the Brumbies too Yeah I thought I thought the Brumbies win against the Chiefs in Hamilton was probably the most significant result of the round Smithy I think we've all been waiting for them to maybe stumble a little bit in this um, 
trans-Tasman component of Super Rugby Pacific, and they haven't so far. They've got a tough run to come. They've got to play the Crusaders and the Blues over the next two weeks, and that's really going to sort out uh, the order at the top of the table, isn't it? But so far, so good from the Brumbies. They've got a very good pack. They know their identity. They know the style that suits them. I think that's what makes them the, the sort of biggest threat of the Australian teams. And, 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 you know, there's a consistency about the performances in there. So very impressed with the Brumbies. Um, um, let's see how they go against, you know, I think the two teams that everyone predicts could be in the final. Um, and, and particularly that game next week um, against the Crusaders is, is really going to perhaps sort out who finishes second if the Blues can win out from here. So um, plenty of interest with the Brumbies there. But I, I note, Smitty, we now have five, all five New Zealand franchises, if not discounting minor Pacifica, into the top eight, which means we're going to mm. um, you know, have five New Zealand teams in the quarterfinals, a pretty low um, threshold in terms of making a postseason for a competition, which has been discussed. But, um, yeah, we're all five of those teams at the moment on course, and you would have to think they'll probably be good enough to, uh, to get the results they need from here on in. So, yeah, good good weekend. Um, all told, I thought the Blues were outstanding. Um, you know, a number of people were, were really good for them. Um, their forward pack particularly um, laid the foundation for the backs to really run amok. And Will Jordan for the Crusaders, 158 metres, 10 defenders beaten, three tries, three clean breaks. That is a stat line. Um, that is going to continue to give the All Blacks coach a lot to think about when he sits down to work out who his number 15 is going to be for this year. So, um, yeah, good weekend all round, um, all, all round, I think, for the competition. Mark, you've given me uh, uh, something more to talk about in terms of rugby here, actually, and I'll ask uh, Jamie this uh, first of all. Jamie, um, if you are Ian Foster and you do have to start thinking about things uh, pretty quickly, Ireland are not that far away. Uh, who should he be taking note of, of, of the newbies? Uh, yeah, well, great question. Uh, and, you know, it's something that we're going to be talking about a lot more in, in the coming weeks um, because it is about that time that we start putting our uh, our Shadow All Black 15s um, together. Uh, for me, I think that it always comes back to the midfield. You know, we've been talking about the midfield for, you know, seven years now, and I started to realise over the weekend that the four midfield uh, right now, the two guys who are playing the best, um, a couple of guys who haven't even played for the All Blacks yet, um, or haven't played for the All Blacks, which is uh, Alex Nankabal and Lester Fai Manuku, um, both in fantastic form. Um, Nankabal found himself on the on the wrong end of a result on uh, Saturday night, but still managed to you know, catch the eye. And he's a guy who's been... He's really done it the hard way. You know, he's toured away on that Chiefs team for about six seasons now um, in, in the shows, uh, and he's, he's sort of having a couple of breakout seasons now. And Fanganuka, well, you know, he, he very much could have been on the, in the All Blacks last year, uh, and now he's out there, you know, racking up the tries and playing some really good footy. So uh, those two guys, I think, uh, in the backs, uh, at least, um, and if, if not, um, both of them can play on the wing as well, uh, at the very least. Um, yeah, those, those, those two probably, uh, for me, uh, is, where, is where he should be looking, because, or Foster should be looking, because, again, um, the, the midfield question, I mean, it really could be anyone at the moment. 
Okay, it's 10.30 here on SENZ. We're going to take a, a short break for Ottawa's uh, update and then we will be back with Mark Hinton and Jamie Wall to uh, perhaps look at uh, the Warriors, shall we? Just for a change. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. here with uh, Jamie Wall and Mark Hinton this morning. Just before we leave the rugby alone, uh, Mark, I I better give you your shot at uh, a couple of names that Ian Foster should be seriously considering. And uh, I I, I offer up a couple um, who are playing uh, some pretty good rugby uh, in the forwards and and, uh, say Peter Gus Soakula and Marino and Michele Tu'u, both uh, number eights for their respective franchises. Yeah, absolutely. I think Peter Gus particularly um, um, has to be looked at just with with that X factor he brings. Um, um, you know, we've discussed this before. <laughs> He's not really your prototype all black uh, loose forward, is he? He's kind of a, a high risk, high reward type guy, but there's something enticing about him. I, I agree with Jamie. I love Lester Fang Anuku as well. I think he brings so so many qualities and he's, he's again playing so consistently he's been knocking on the door for a couple of years now so I think he's got to be looking close look I, I'd throw Roger to have asked a check into there um, you know he's getting better every week uh, absolutely starting you know starting to really play top football now for the Blues and that combination with Rico Ioane is really starting to develop look there's a lot still a lot of upside with, with two of us a check and I, I wouldn't be surprised if the All Blacks carry him through this campaign as kind of a bit of a project to continue to develop develop him themselves and look a bit closer at him. Um, Blues hooker Kurt Eklund. I mean, I don't think he's going to make an All Black squad, but there's not a more honest footballer in the competition than that bloke. He plays hard every game. He really produces. Um, so, you know, I think if there were injuries or opportunities open up, you could do a lot worse than give that bloke... Uh, you know, an invite to a, to higher honours. And the second row I'm looking at, Smithy, I think it's very wide open. Um, second row, um, I don't know if there'll be a newbie as such, but, you know, the two Chiefs guys um, uh, who are playing now are both knocking on the door, Lord, and um, um, uh, I've, I've just briefly forgotten the name of the other second row. But, um, um, yeah, I think Locke is very interesting. Brody Retallick not playing. Sam Whitelock, has he got another campaign in him? Um, Tupavai, of course, is what I'm thinking of. I think he's playing re- outstanding football at the moment. And Josh Lord is continuing to develop as a young guy. So a lot of interest in, in the second row and, and, and where he is going to go there. So, um, yeah, as Jamie suggests, Smithy, I think it's pretty wide open. And I think the... The last three rounds of the regular season and into finals footy is when um, some of these decisions will be made. Jamie Wall, the Warriors, 13 against 12, 13 against 11 at one stage, just could not anywhere near get the job done. Crazy. It is crazy. I think that's the best word to describe it because I can't understand how a team loses that game um, after having a one-man advantage for that long, I mean a two-man advantage um, for another ten minutes, just for good measure. I mean, I, I've played rugby league before. Um, playing with twelve men is not easy. Uh, it, 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 you shouldn't be able to win um, from from that point. Um, having a man sent off is far more of an affliction than it is in, in rugby union. I can, I can tell you that much. Um, but then to go down to eleven and still hold the Warriors out. Uh, it is. I mean, 
I will say one thing. It says a lot about the Sharks. Uh, you know, they're obviously a very good team. And, hey, congratulations to their talent acquisition manager or general manager or whoever's pulling the strings over there. They deserve a pay raise for getting rid of Sean Johnson and bringing in Nico Hines because that's obviously a genius move. And it was proven beyond doubt uh, that it was a good move last night um, because you'd think that that would be a big game that Sean Johnson would be up for, you know, to prove a point. Um, and he just absolutely fell to bits, I thought, uh, both on attack and defence, um, which is a shame. I really like Sean Johnson. I got a lot of respect for him and, and, and in his career. Um, but I think that just right now, this, this worries him is just absolutely abject. Uh, you know, you've, you've, got, you've had the two potentially worst losses of all time, and that team happened within a few weeks of each other. And the game, that it seems to be, they, they seem to be the only... The only team in the world where we talk that their, their losses seem to be more memorable than their wins right now, this is, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. I think there's got to be some massive questions asked about the coaching staff right now, not just Nathan Brown, but the guys he's got around them as well. Like, are the players even listening to him? Has he lost the dressing room? Uh, what is their plan on attack, on defence? You know, are they just making it up out there? Because... I just couldn't believe what I was seeing um, last night. But like I said, credit to the Sharks. Like, that is a gutsy performance to, to come back and win. But the fact that they ran, they won it running away, it's just, it's just absolutely atrocious from the Warriors. I just I can't believe what I saw. Mark, do you want to add anything? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I'd endorse what Jamie said. It was an embarrassing defeat. In many ways, um, equally as embarrassing as the 70-10 loss to Melbourne, different circumstances. Look, Smithy, when the team goes up numerically like that, it often comes down to smarts and game direction, and the Warriors had neither. They, they were abject in terms, of, in terms of the way they needed to approach their numerical advantage. They didn't understand the concept of sustaining pressure. They didn't understand the concept of wearing down you know, an undermanned team that was clearly going to tire, um, having to... Um, cover for the loss of one and up to two players. Look, that's the first time in 14 years in the NRL that teams had a player sent off in the first half and managed to win a, win a match. It's quite extraordinary. Um, as Jamie touched on, look, the Cronulla were, were, are a very good team and that was an outstanding performance. But the Warriors contributed to their own demise badly there. Uh, Sean Johnson, I'm sorry, but he, he was just Mark Dabson. It was a game set up for him to take control of and he was nowhere to be seen and some of his kicking touches were just terrible. Um, this signing hasn't worked out, I'm, I'm sorry to say. And the Warriors, back to the drawing board. I'm, uh, I, feel re- I really feel for their fans because they deserve better than this and um, it wouldn't surprise me if they bounce back and have a great performance next week because this one was so bad. Right, let's uh, look at uh, some cricket um, news. And over the weekend, uh, I saw the headline as well, um, Baz McCullum reportedly uh, a target of uh, England uh, now of course uh, being run by Rob Key and uh, they're looking at uh, white ball coaches uh, in particular and uh, certainly um, uh, Mark uh, if you look at that and um, Brennan McCullum has uh, certainly uh, got to be a, a, desired, a desired candidate doesn't he? Absolutely I, you know I really think um he, in a way, he's, he's an ideal fit for, for what England are wanting to do and for where England find themselves. They, look, they need someone that's bold, that's got initiative, that thinks a little bit outside the square. Look, that's Brendan McCullum, as you know, Smithy. 
to a tee, I, you know, I think he'd be ideal. I don't think he would be, uh, I think he would come in and shake things up a bit. You know? Looks like we might have uh, lost. Might have lost uh, Mark Benton. I've certainly um, he just It just seems to me like he'd be an ideal man to do it. So um, well done to them if, if, they're, if they're thinking along those lines, um, whether Brendan's got time with all his duties at SCNZ and in, in the Indian IPL is another matter, but uh, um, I'm sure they've got deep pockets and I'm sure they could afford his, uh, his fee. So, um, yeah, he just seems ideal to me, Smithy. Yeah, I, I do too. His, his relationship uh, with Owen Morgan is very, very close. And, of course, Owen Morgan has uh, been an extremely successful white ball captain. So uh, this is on the back too, uh, Jamie, of the news coming through, or the likely news coming through, that Daniel Vittori may well be uh, one of the big assistant coaches for Australia. Um, all of a sudden, uh, we're in, a, in a, an industry which uh, is known for people chopping and changing cricket coaching, uh, we we could be seeing uh, these guys against us uh, rather than for us, and uh, I'm not sure we can we want to see that kind of uh, development, that kind of experience uh, palmed across to somebody else. So I'm not sure what you can do about it, though. Well, Smithy, uh, you know I've been pretty vocal on my thoughts about um, cricket coaching on the show uh, many times in the past, but. No, you're right. There, there, it is an interesting situation we find ourselves in um, with the likes of uh, Victoria and McCullum. You know, two icons of the game here in New Zealand, uh, potentially in charge or is assisting um, with uh, teams that we regard as our absolute bitter enemies. Uh, uh, I, I guess it's just the, the way the way that it works. Uh, we've seen it in rugby um, before. Obviously, there's been a lot of New Zealand coaches going over and coaching. Um, other teams. Um, that's, uh, it's, it's an interesting one for me given how much uh, knowledge is required of local conditions um, to, to maximise a team's performance, like why uh, teams would particularly look outside their own area uh, given that you know, the, the amount of experience uh, playing in your own country would, surely would, would lend uh, a lot of knowledge to, to a coaching setup, but I mean, I guess the people who are writing the checks know more than me. So, yeah, I think it's just something we need to get used to. And, um, you know, if Daniel Vittori does end up co coach, uh, assistant coaching Australia, um, good luck to him. And if Baz McCollum ends up uh, up in England, I guess that's good news for Tony Kemp because he can um, take over the morning show. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the thoughts uh, obviously going through the mind of our bosses here, actually, because uh, Baz. Uh, may well take that up because, as uh, Mark pointed out, the budget uh, won't be an issue. He could just about name his price to help England out. Uh, Mark Hinton, Jamie Wolf, thank you very much uh, this morning. We only got to cover two or three subjects, but uh, I think it was uh, worthwhile going in depth onto uh, to all of them. So thanks for your time, fellas, and uh, we'll catch you again on the panel very shortly. We'll have another one at the same time tomorrow morning here. It's 10.43. Today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Text in from Jared this morning saying another lacklustre performance by the Warriors. There was a topic last week regarding a franchise in the South Island. Bring it on, he says. Bring it on. So, um, But then you, you look at the, is there enough? Is there, if we can't field one successfully and be competitive and consistently good over a period of time, 
how the heck are we going to get two to do that? I mean, goodness me, is it, is it a lure to form a new one over here as it is perhaps when you, you look at what they're doing in Australia with the dolphins, etc. It just doesn't quite at the moment sit. Maybe it's just because we're in a bit of a downer because uh, the Warriors have just been so poor of late. Um, in terms of the IPL, uh, just uh, looking at a couple of scores coming in and uh, the form of uh, a couple of our players who are playing there. I know it's not the same as playing or preparing for a test match, but it's always nice when uh, you see players with name, scores against their names. And Devin Conway uh, hit a man of the match, 87, to beat uh, Stephen Fleming's uh, Chennai Super Kings to help uh, in a convincing win over the Delhi Capitals. Uh, Conway hit five sixes and seven fours with his 87, coming off 49 balls. So uh, Chennai's uh, fourth win and improves them to eighth on the table, while uh, Delhi are languishing in fifth. And the interesting thing for me about the IPL this year is they added two expansion teams, two expansion teams, and sometimes it takes a bit of a while to settle in, to bed those uh, particular teams in. Not the case. First and second, Lucknow Super Giants and the Gujarat Titans. They are one and two on the table, which is quite outstanding, to be fair. Uh, to look at um, Brendan McCullum's KKR, not looking good in terms of the playoffs this year. Uh, Mike Hessen's uh, Bangalore Royal Challengers under real pressure to make the playoffs this year. Uh, and Stephen Fleming's, as a Stephen Fleming's side, um, to, uh, to eighth, I should say, on the table. Eighth on the table, which means they're pretty much out of contention as well. So um, will we be looking at uh, two or three of our uh, super coaches as such, uh, having uh, the, the, the torch go on their performances this year? Because generally speaking... Uh, they are the first guys to go in a competitive market like the IPL. Uh, we're going to talk some uh, thoroughbred racing with Mark Clayton and uh, also have a visit to the TAB before 11 o'clock. And uh, after 11 o'clock, of course, we will hit uh, Vossi, let him loose on the Warriors as well. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Sorry, folks, a few technical difficulties there. Smithy, a uh, bit of bad internet connection, I believe, in Hawks Bay. But we do have Mark Clayton on the line, loving the racing there, of course, mate. What have you got for us? Love to hear it, mate. Love to hear it. Uh, how did you go on the weekend on the punt? Uh, we had Andrew Seabrook and Steve McKeon, and we got down to the last. We needed Jack the last for a result. She did it for us last week. Couldn't quite get there this week, and old Steve McKeon was quite bullish on Castle Bay, and as soon as they crossed the line, she told you we should have taken a Quinella. <laughs> he was quite right, but... Yeah, we were close. We were close. And look, I'm looking forward to this week. At this stage, we've got Sam Spratt and Steve Davis. They're two people who can talk. So I won't get a word in on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to that. 
<laughs> Mate, we always love to get the word in, in, in on you. Uh, so thanks so much for joining in. Uh, crossing now over to our friends at the TAB. Paul Moate, what have you got for us today? Uh, g'day, Logan. Yeah, well, uh, what is it? We're into the NBA playoffs. And this afternoon, we've got the 76ers hosting the Miami Heat in Game 4 of their Eastern Conference a semi-final series. The Miami Heat took the first two uh, games in that series against an Embiidless 76ers side. Uh, Joel returned in Game 3 and uh, got the victory for the 76ers. They're still in Philadelphia for Game 4. $1.70 76ers. Miami Heat at $2.11. The Miami Heat have taken slightly more action in that head-to-head market than the Philadelphia 76ers. I expect to see Joel Embiid out there for a little longer than the 36 minutes uh, he uh, produced in Game 3. And so uh, looking forward to him uh, filling the stat sheet. And we've got a number of uh, power plays on that match. The most popular at the moment, Joel Embiid to score 30 or more points in Philadelphia to win at $5.50. Of course, we've got a same-game multi, uh, a same-game claim promotion on that match. Uh, so plenty of time for punters to uh, have a go at that. And I couldn't leave without mentioning the Warriors. They're eight-and-a-half-point dogs this weekend, magic round, against the uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs. The Warriors, 325 in the head-to-head market. The South Sydney Rabbitohs, $1.33. Early money on the Rabbitohs at $1.33. And I can understand why after the performance uh, what this weekend. Yeah, yeah, that's fair to say, Paul. Hey, thanks so much for your time, mate. Always love hearing from the TAB. Make sure you gamble responsibly. Coming up uh, on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Hopefully, Smithy's kit, we get him back online shortly because uh, we always love hearing from the man. But we also have Andrew Voss. Now, Smithy's the voice of cricket. To me, Vossy is the voice of rugby league. He's coming up very shortly on SNZ. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Just about to put the cap on an incredible two points. Here is Hines, will chip it out towards Katoa. Raming and taps it backwards. Nakora nonchalantly just reels it in with one hand. Happy to take the tackle. No, he's not. He gives it to Nico Hines. Inside the pass was okay. Get the part he started. The Shire erupts. Well, it was a hard one to watch for the Warriors fans last night. Uh, Mark Stafford here because Smithy's uh, kit has died down in Havelock North, so I get to do the Warriors recap. Um, now, if you stayed the course and watched the full 80 minutes, it was a real hard one. You'll be forgiven for changing the channel or doing something else entirely after what transpired at Shark Park. 29-10 was the scoreline. It's been described as a historic win for the Sharks. On the other side of the coin, the Warriors have strung together three very frustrating performances in a row that... Uh, well, does it put Nathan Brown's position as coach into question uh, to potentially give us some words of wisdom? Not potentially, definitely, and just a little bit of therapy after that loss, along with reminding us these other footy teams worth watching is SEN's own Andrew Voss. Vossi, great to have you here. Welcome in. Oh, g'day, Mark. And in off the bench, mate. Well, that's what it is, an 18-man game now. You know, lots of players get injured in warm-up and whatever. you just got to be ready. And you are ready. 
But you've put some heat on me. You've just about thrown me under the bus saying wisdom. Was wisdom around the performance? I mean, what was the most disappointing aspect? Was it that they weren't leading by half time? It got it, that they didn't make a, a single line break in yeah. the second half? Um, that the margin is 19 points against 12 and at one stage 11? It's, it's, I honestly believe it's one of the darkest days in terms of games, just that has ever happened for the Warriors. There's been disappointing losses over the years, but you just don't lose a modern-day game uh, like that and not score a second-half point when at one stage it was 13 v 11. Can anyone come up with a more disappointing defeat? Well, it's Cronulla. They've become the first team since 2008 to win after having a player sent off in the Mm. first half. So, yep. so what does this say about this year's version of the Sharks? Let's go positive first. After they were able to band together like that, an incredible performance from them. Oh, it's looked real with the Sharks from the first few weeks of the competition, to be honest. Uh, and uh, and obviously yesterday shows they have that quality which is maybe undervalued or underestimated, and that's resilience. Because it's something that the Broncos have found this year. Suddenly they've got resilience. Look what's happening. They're starting to win matches. Um, And the Sharks, obvious, have bucket loads of resilience and just get on with the job. So whatever comes up, we adapt. I thought Nico Hines, like you talk about your signings of the year. Um, Adam Reynolds, obviously, at Brisbane has been great. But, gee, you'd put up a really strong argument for Nico Hines. He has been so good for Cronulla. He's, He's a better player, even better player than what I thought he was. Because at Melbourne, he's surrounded... By stars, isn't it? You know, like mm. he's got others to lean on and could just find his way. But he takes over at Cronulla where he becomes, you know, sort of the boss. And he's been fantastic. He's been so good to the point where I was a little, I was thrown up at me last night after the game. So New South Wales picked their origin side and they're looking for that perfect 14 to 17 player. And if you thought Ryan Pappenhausen was going to be that, I'd say, well, what about Nico Hines? Because Nico Hines now is covering every position from seven to one. Isn't that the, you know, like he's just going so well. And Cronulla, I think, are real. Uh, They're not quite at Melbourne or Penrith levels yet, but they look a top four side to me. They do. And when you think about Cronulla and Nico Hines, um, you know, it was a homecoming of sorts for Sean Johnson, having spent some seasons with Cronulla. But Nico Hines, as you say, got a try, got three try assists, two line break assists. Mm. What's your honest assessment of Sean Johnson right now following that battle? Oh, well, you're talking to one of Sean Johnson's biggest ever fans. But Sean, yeah, you know, I can only call what I see from yesterday. He has to shoulder a lot of the responsibility there. I mean, that game plays into the lap of, of Sean Johnson. And, and the Warriors got it right. You know, within a minute of the send-off, a matter of tackles, they're scoring in the corner through Dallin Wittenig's Lesnick. A few minutes later, they're getting their second. And you're thinking, well, Sean will be the man who orchestrates this and will, you know, play smart. And, and, and it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. So yesterday was a really disappointing day for Sean uh, individually. And I, I just don't know what would be said in the dressing room. Nathan Brown, I mean, that's a really... That's a like I was asked today on our breakfast show here, which was more disappointing, losing to Melbourne seventy to twelve or mm. yesterday. I'm tempted to say yesterday more disappointing than conceding fifty four and a half. Yeah, on the Baz and Izzy for breakfast show this morning, Israel Dag mentioned at half time they you've got the cameras in the dressing rooms. Matt Moylan was right up his players, backs mm. to the wall. We go out, we go battle. Then they showed the Warriors dressing room and they're just sitting around there and it looked like they were just saying, oh well boys, we've got a man advantage, we'll just keep doing what we're doing, stick to yeah. our processes, all of that stuff. Two different teams took the field in the second half. Matt Moylan inspired. 
What about, though, if you had known sitting there in the dressing room at half-time that in the 54th minute your opponent was going to lose another player for 10 minutes? And, and look, I will say this. Um, I believe Jesse Ramian should have been sent off, and it's hard to dispute the perception of many that he wasn't sent off for good because they'd already sent off a yeah, player. Yeah. That they didn't, the officials didn't want to reduce the team to 11 men. It is very, that is the perception, and we probably do need an explanation. Now, where it's going to be shown up today... Warriors fans, and, and not that you should get upset because you've been beaten with you've been end up beaten by 19, you know, against understrength side. But the, the charge sheet today is going to tell the story because I believe Jesse Ramian will cop a, a, a tougher charge or a more serious charge than Will Kennedy. And then obviously, you'll ask the question well, how was Jesse Ramian not sent off? And the league will have to explain that because uh, you know, it shouldn't really matter, should it? Even if one player's gone off, if two players have gone off, if it's a send off offence. It's a send-off offence, and the league needs to highlight that today. Of course, the, the spotlight always goes on the coach when a team is continually underperforming because he's supposed to be the inspirer. Is his time as Warriors coach no longer tenable following these recent performances? Is that a conversation we need to have? Well, they're obviously terribly disappointing. I mean, I like talking football with Nathan Rant. Brown. I'll put my cards on the tables. I really like discussing football with Nathan Brown. I like watching Nathan Brown coached sides when he tactically puts a few things into play, but obviously something's not um, as it should be there at the moment. I mean, yes, yesterday is to me. I can't imagine uh, there being a, a, a more headed to the bottom of the pit than yesterday, losing in such a manner, and the Sharks win running away. So it needs to be quick. The response, look, they got a win after the loss to Melbourne, you know, when they're absolutely blown off the field, they at least come back and win the next week and come from behind to do so. But I think the reply this week needs to be even better at Magic Round. They need mm. to really turn it on. So they get a week at home this week uh, at their Redcliffe base. The game's going to be at, at Suncorp Stadium. I'll tell you what will affect preparation this week. Rain's forecast all week for South East Queensland. And I'm talking heavy. By Friday, we're talking 100 mils in a day. So Jeez. it's going to be some tough, tough days on the training paddock uh, in the wet, sort of any given Sunday stuff, but um, they have to have a, a swift response and be back to their best by next weekend. Yeah, and they face the Bunnies next. Uh, they're coming off a tough 32-12 loss to the Broncos, uh, featuring former captain Adam Reynolds, who, who was fantastic. Which side between the Bunnies and the Warriors do you think's come out worse for wear going into the Magic Round? Well, the, the Rabbitohs probably have more expectation on them simply because they're a heavyweight from last year and for all recent seasons. So they're at the moment as underwhelming. While they're not in the bottom four, let's say, the Tigers, Titans, Bulldogs, Knights down on four, the fact that the Rabbitohs are outside the eight through nine rounds is one of the more underwhelming performances of the year. So much more expected of them. And uh, and there wasn't I didn't again I'll bring back the R word into it I didn't see much resilience mm. from the Rabbitohs against the Broncos the other night so yeah there's more than just the attack isn't clicking for the Rabbitohs going on there when they concede 32 points against Brisbane it was 18 12 with 20 to go so you get down to the championship minutes and Souths had very little and that's a worry.
It is a worry. And finally, Vossi, out of ECN, uh, thanks for jumping on with us, as you do on Mondays on Mornings with Smithy. What's your thoughts on the NRL Magic Round potentially moving to the new Sydney Football Stadium? A magnificent stadium, I'm sure. But do you feel, I know you've got good connections here with the Warriors. You, you came over weekly and called the Warriors games and enjoyed the Fritz's wieners at halftime. <laughs> oh, you're making me cry. <laughs> should, you're making me cry. Should New Zealand get a crack? At it first in 2023? And I'll just correct you, at halftime? No, no, no. I had them at pre-game and halftime. Just correct you there. <laughs> That's how good uh, they are. Ne- never could hold it at one. Always wanted to go an even number. Um, look, I- I'm all for – I'm actually all for Auckland before um, before Sydney getting it, although you can put up argument because Sydney's been through what it's been through. But wouldn't that be great if they could announce, well, as part of – if you can't let the Warriors play every game, both home and away in New Zealand next year – You've got to give New Zealand something for the sacrifice of the Warriors and the sacrifice in turn of New Zealand rugby league fans not seeing live rugby league. I think the timing would be right to say you have a magic round. It doesn't have to be next year, but say we are locking it in for 2024. Mm. Magic round is coming to New Zealand. Does it it just need to be in Auckland? Could you perhaps have the Friday night kickoff elsewhere? I'm, I'm just floating that out there. But if it is at Auckland, the nines prove that they could put on a really good show. It would be rugby league over three days. It would be a lovely way for the code and all fans to say thank you. And, of course, um, then there would be fans. What a, what a great time to, to, to know you've got two years in advance to plan a trip mm. to Auckland to watch the rugby league for people in Australia. I tell you I, what. I'm saying it's got my vote ahead of Sydney. And, I'm a, and I, you know, I live in Sydney, so... New Zealand, Auckland has my vote ahead of anywhere else. Yeah, and I'd imagine all the league Kiwi League fans in Australia, they would come, catch up with their family, mm. watch some great league. Uh, I always say finally and think of another one. Uh, yeah. I, I'd, lo- <laughs> I'd love to get your comment. We've been talking about it probably on all shows over here on SCNZ for the last week or two about the possibility of a second New Zealand team. And it sort of came mm. off the back of 27% of NRL players are Kiwis. Um, So we've clearly got uh, a league uh, stronghold as far as providing talent goes. It's probably a wee way off, Vossi, but Mm. let's look a decade in in time. So 2032, can you see that there'll be two New Zealand-based teams running around in the NRL? I say there has to be. I wasn't totally against a fourth team in Queensland, but I did think the others also had fair claims. I just think that if we really are expanding, it's never sat well with me. I've been on planes previously, and I see young Kiwi kids on the plane. They fly over on a Friday to play junior reps for a Sydney club and then fly home. That's never sat well with me. It'd be great if there was more scope uh, in New Zealand, and the only way that can happen is with a second NRL team. But I'm not a bean counter, so I don't know who's putting the money in. So you'd want to make sure that it is self-funding rather than being propped up from elsewhere. Um, So I am a supporter, but I need to know who's behind it and who's putting it together. Mm. And I think they would need at least a couple of years in the build-up to get it ready. I don't think you could announce it this year and say they're coming in next year. I think it'd have to be – you'd need to give maybe two, three years so you can see players coming off contract. You can you know, sign the best 16- and 17-year-olds and that sort of thing. So – with notice, I certainly support the notion of New Zealand or a second New Zealand team, uh, provided the dollars are there. Brilliant, Vossi. Always appreciate you making yourself available here over on SNZ. I know the listeners really appreciate your input. Uh, have a great day, buddy. Off to Magic Ground this week.
Let's go. Expect plenty of rain. (laughs) Plenty of rain. Take your gumboots, people. If you're over there in Australia and you're going to go to those rounds. Andrew Voss, wonderful caller, wonderful league man and mine. See, I said he'd bring wisdom, and he did. Uh, And our engineering team and their wisdom have got Smithy up and running again. So we will take a quick break. I'll go back to my rightful place. Uh, Smithy's past the HIA, and he'll rejoin you after the break. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, 11.21, I hope you can hear me. At least I can hear everything now. So we just had a technical malfunction there, folks. Uh, Apologies for that. But uh, great appreciation for staff uh, coming in at the last second to uh, talk to Andrew Voss about uh, Warriors. I couldn't hear much of it. uh, But obviously concerned there in the camp and a big match coming forward and they've got to bounce back in authoritative fashion to... Uh, to get us back on their side if we uh, ever were. Um, speaking of uh, getting on side, I'm on side with uh, Araha here right now because uh, we are talking Formula One motor racing and it's uh, just ha- had the conclusion of the inaugural uh, Miami uh, Formula One race and uh, by all accounts it was some sort of spectacle, some party. I'm, I'm just looking at the people that turned up to watch. Dwayne Wade, Paris Hilton, Tom Brady, David Beckham, Michael Jordan, uh, Michelle Obama, uh, Serena Williams, and Puerto Rican rapper Bad Bunny, who I probably wouldn't recognise if I fell over who? in my studio right now. But who is Bad uh, Bunny? His name was. He's a Puerto Rican rapper. All the others, if they popped through my studio, I'd know them. But Bad Bunny, I'm not too sure of. Anyway, I, I digress from the racing itself because Max Verstappen had anything but a smooth build-up to this race, but he cleaned them out. It was so impressive to watch, and there's just something he. You know, when they were talking during the race, um, maybe during qualifying, about how when Fernando Alonso races, you can tell it's him no matter what colour the car is because he still drives like a teenager. <laughs> sort of like, you know, I don't care, I'm just going going for the apex. And Max is sort of like that too. And what's really lovely is that there's all these young people coming up through the ranks as well as people like Sebastian Vettel and... Fernando Alonso and Lewis, albeit, you know, in sixth place, but the boys who are in their 30s and 40s are still scrapping. Miami was very colourful. They had a beach in the middle of the track, which is nothing strange. I mean, especially when they've got races and places like Abu Dhabi, but, you know, a beach in the middle of the track. They Pharrell was there, but I didn't notice any bunnies. No, Bad Bunny was there, apparently, and that's a shame. Actually, just before we get to the race itself, Yes. Uh, interesting. Um, 80,000. 80,000 tickets. Each day. Well, well 80,000 capacity. But they never had any general admission because that was the demand. Here we are in New Zealand talking about trying to get a few people along to watch a game of Super Rugby. 80, not a, they didn't yeah. have any general admission tickets. And staggering. it was sold out so far in advance. So the, the other thing... People who know Formula One and who have been watching Formula One and have been, you know, fans of Bruce McLaren from that era, right? So that they're all sitting here going, I already know all of this. You're, you're not telling me anything new. But for anyone who has only just joined the Formula One sort of wave after Drive to Survive, uh, having those sorts of numbers in America uh, is astounding. So this is only the second race on the calendar for America and it used to just be Austin, Texas and now it's Austin and Miami and then next year they'll also add Las Vegas. Mental! If they thought Miami was a bit crazy. Can you imagine, you know, never mind Michelle Obama, can you imagine what's not going to be talked about after Las Vegas next year? 
would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Something to uh, perhaps aim for, Arawa. Put your vickies in the tin and you might just be able to... We might need a correspondent over there. SENZ might need a correspondent. Yes, well, I think it's probably more like cookies in a tin in Las Vegas. But uh, they (laughs) are going to have to build a circuit for Las Vegas. It used to be a street circuit. I don't know how much of it is still street. Parts of it are street and parts of it won't be. But the the track in Miami was around a stadium. It was built, it was basically built on a car park and... You know, on the first day, parts of the they you could tell when you were listening to the media speaking that everybody was trying to be very kind. I hear a lot of focus on the commercial aspects of Formula One these days, and if you're not listening carefully, sometimes you you think that people are really hyped about the track. But what I heard was sort of this gently sifted, let's be kind to the Miami track and let's not criticise it too much because we need the American audience to be able to monetize the sport even more. And it's taken so long to crack the US. I mean, so the last time that they raced in Miami was when Bruce McLaren was driving and he was 22 years old and he won his first Formula One Grand Prix and it was oh. the Seabreen, Seabreen, how do you pronounce it? Seabreen Formula One Grand Prix. Please don't judge me if you're super guru Formula One dude. But Bruce McLaren won in Miami. Uh, and then, of course, it never went back there. So... It wasn't called the Miami GP, though. There you go. Random fact oh, from Auntie. Random fact from uh, Auntie Ottawa. Uh, some other random facts to look at now. Of course, with that win by Verstappen, the gap is now uh, 104 to Leclerc, uh, 85 to Verstappen. So, game on. It's mental, isn't it? And can you imagine what it would have looked like had Verstappen had a more reliable... Well, I don't want to say reliable because it just... I think all of the cars are a bit... M- a bit weird at the moment. Nobody really knows what they're driving. Any given Sunday, they're out there. One day it's a starlet, the next day it's a rocket ship. So, you know, Lewis Hamilton and and George Russell last week, they were like 11 and 14 or something weird, weren't they? And now they're like, they were in free practice too. They were up, they were up around one and four. So things are changing all the time. But I think Verstappen is just, he was, I think, a tenth quicker than the Ferrari anyway per lap. He was faster than the Ferrari. It didn't, it didn't, nothing else mattered. He's just faster. And he's a guy who gets out there and always looks like he's confident. So it was um, Red Bull taking one and four, and then Leclerc and Sainz two and three, and then George Russell pipping Lewis towards the end to take the fifth spot over the seven-time world champion. So Ferrari 157 points. Uh, Red Bull uh, 151, Daylight is third, that being Mercedes. So um, that is uh, a really interesting thing too with uh, Verstappen finding that form. Yeah, and the the only things that, I mean, the, the race was great because you got to see people changing around, but not that much. It got a bit boring through the middle. Um, Lando Norris crash, crashed out. He came together with Pierre Gasly in spectacular fashion, but nothing. They were all talking about safety cars and the track's quite, tight, you know, there was a bit they say slippy in the British commentary they use this word slippy which I think is a bit cute, but the track was slippery offline, but there weren't many accidents, there was oh, I tell you what, that whole Sebastian Vettel, I'm mentoring you, Mick Schumacher moment's gone, they smashed into each other, I don't know if they'll be talking in, in the paddock later on tonight, it's Miami anything can happen Anything can happen, Arawa, uh, and Goose has texted in and said, Smithy, how good is Arawa's pronunci- pronunciation of foreign places and especially names? 
She's the best oh, I've heard. Thanks. That's, from Goose. That's very kind. Massive fan. I spent a lot of time overseas, so I had to learn a lot of languages, and um, and now yeah. I can't. I know people think I'm a bit flanky when I um, or a bit juju when I say all these words differently to them, but I can't help it. I actually speak those languages and saying it the way that we would in Kiwi. It just makes me feel <laughs> a little, feels a little bit common. Cool. Love uh, your I'll face, you, Smithy. About a minute. Look, here's the thing, Arrow. Uh, you've got about a minute to get ready for your next read, so I've taken up your time, but you'll be professional as ever. So Arrow uh, there with her uh, take on Formula One, and uh, we'll be back uh, with the news very shortly. But in the meantime, just uh, an update on the EPL, the uh, English Premier League, of course, Manchester City, a reclaimed top spot uh, in the Premier League with a 5-0 drubbing of Newcastle United that uh, allowed the reigning champions to open up a three-point lead over Liverpool, of course, were held to a one-all draw uh, by Tottenham Hotspur at the weekend. Uh, Chris Wood, playing for Newcastle, spent a great chance to give his side an early lead, but uh, the visitors were no match for City, who took an important step towards a fourth title in five seasons. 86 points to Liverpool's 83, with both sides having three games uh, remaining, and City now having a superior goal difference as well. So Liverpool are looking at City to perhaps drop uh, probably four to five points for them to have a chance. Uh, uh, Liverpool do face Aston Villa on Tuesday with City up against Wolves a day later. They'll probably both win games for either of them, so it won't change the table situation at all. At all, Arsenal remain fourth and move four points clear of uh, of Tottenham in the race. Um, Leeds uh, slipped. Uh, Arsenal beating Leeds two one. Leeds have slipped to eighteenth place as evidence two one victory over Leicester City uh, lifted them to sixteenth. So it looks like Leeds tenure in the EPL, uh, might be under serious threat as well. Update there from the EPL. It is 11.30. It is time, of course, uh, for the news with Araha and also time for you to light up the phone lines 0800 It is that time of the day where it is uh, stump smithy for a chance to win some sleep drops, of course, and uh, some uh, product. Uh, and when you talk about product from the TAB, you talk about betting vouchers. It's as simple as that. We'll be back shortly, but here's Araha. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, pat up and grab your bat. We're back on track here. SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Quick shout out there, of course, to Staff for picking up uh, the bat when we needed him. Uh, up for grabs today is a $50 TAB bonus bet, as Smithy said before, plus some sleep drops, daytime revive, try New Zealand sleep drops for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. Always read that label and take his directed check out sleepdrops.co.nz. And Smithy, first up at the crease, we have Kitty from Manawatu. Come in, mate. Hey, mate. How you doing? You feeling good on a Monday? Not too bad, actually, yeah. How's Smithy? How are you, Smithy? Yeah, well, we lost transmission there for a second or two. You're almost playing Staffy, so um, you've probably got more chance against me, Kerry, so I wish you uh, all the best for that. Uh, did, uh, in terms of, do you, you're a big rugby man, Kerry? Yeah, big rugby man, yeah. So would would you? How often have you been uh, driven from Palmerston or Manawatu down to the stadium? Uh, been a few times. Yep. Uh, try and get down as much as we can, but uh, yeah, just concentrating on the Manawatu team this year to get the shield off you guys. Forlorn hope. Forlorn hope. I think you're more chance of winning this. What What are the subjects today? 
Uh, Logan, what are, what are yeah, we we I think we almost need to have a counter of how many times people try to have a dig at, Hawks, at the uh, Hawks Bay crowd there with the Ranfurly Shield. Interesting to see if that uh, eventuates this season. Our topics for today, uh, rugby special here on the Black Ferns or golf or basketball. Take your pick, Kerry. Um, I'll go golf. Okay, very brave move. Let's see how you go. Oh, okay. First question for you, Kerry. First question. Ryan Fox. He's been making a name for himself uh, over in the European tour. What was his margin of victory in February's tour win in the UAE? That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. So I just wanted to build a little bit of suspense there for you. <laughs> yes, five strokes, finished 22 under. Ross Fisher was the runner up there. Smithy, I know you're a massive uh, admirer and fan of Ryan Fox. No doubt you had that one in the back. Yeah, I did that actually. Uh, I think he had an overnight lead of six. It came back to two, got really nervous, and then yep. he uh, Gave himself uh, an uppercut and got it back together again and won convincingly by five. So, yeah, I remember it well. So, yep, well done, Kerry. Good stuff. All right, second question, golf. Scotty Scheffler is ranked number one in the world currently. Which fellow American golfer rounds out the top ten in those world golf rankings? Um... Yeah, no. I'm going to go um, Ram. Ram. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy. No, uh, John Ram's Spanish, but I think John Ram would be a lot higher than number 10. Um, I'm going to go Colin Morikawa. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. You're right, Ram is much higher up there. I believe he's number two at the moment. He was number one. Of course, Scotty Scheffler is bumped up there. No, the correct answer is Dustin Johnson. He is currently number 10 in the world. So you are still alive. Kerry, last question for you. In his only major title to date, who did Aussie golfer Jason Day beat to win the PGA Championship in August 2015? Um, I'll go McElroy. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I've got to say, that is a very good guess, old Rory, but no, that is not it. Smithy, you got a chance here for a stumping on a Monday. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. Um, I'm going to say then that uh, way back then he beat Webb Simpson. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Uh, the correct answer, Jordan Spieth. Uh, it was who he uh, beat out to uh, win the PGA Championship there in 2015. Finished 20 under with three-stroke margin of victory. So, Kerry, speaking of victories, mate, you have won a $50 TAB bonus bet. Hold the line, and our good man Brian will get you details. Great start to the week. Thank you. Thanks, Smithy. Yeah, cheers, Kerry. Well done, buddy. Um, and uh, we'll hear from uh, other people throughout the week as we uh, give away or the opportunity for you to take away uh, product uh, from the TAB and, of course, the wonderful sleep drops as well. 
Um, after uh, a short break, uh, we'll be back with, I'm not quite sure what, we'll, uh, we might discuss, uh, have a discussion about atmosphere at Super Rugby Games because uh, I was part of it at the weekend, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, it was a great game of rugby. Uh, it's 11.38 here on SCNZ. Shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. It is uh, 11.43 here on SENZ and just uh, just thinking back to uh, that quick discussion this morning about whether Brendan McCullum would be um, a candidate for the white ball coach for England cricket. So that's T20 cricket and 50 over cricket. Of course he would be. Uh, who wouldn't want to have him involved in that? So if he has been asked, I'm sure he's uh, seriously mulling that over because uh, it would be a hell of a job. Um, it's a very busy job being involved with England cricket. England tend to play a lot more cricket than a lot of nations around the world. They're pretty sought after. Uh, so uh, he'd be away from uh, home a lot on the back of uh, his KKR uh, commitments in the IPL. He's also got uh, an expectation to spend some time in the West Indies and the CPL too, the Caribbean Premier League, where KKR have a sister team or a brother team in that as well. So uh, he's got that uh, um, to consider. Plus, of course, he works for us. Uh, and uh, he works for Spark TV as well in the summer, so pretty uh, pretty busy sort of uh, itinerary for Brendan, as well as the horse racing interest, so I'm not quite sure um, just how genuine that request is, or whether he's uh, even considered it, but if you're looking around the world, if you're looking around the world to be innovative, um, to uh, think ahead of the square, uh, to get your white ball cricketers going in the right direction, particularly with his knowledge of uh, English players in the T20 competition, uh, I think Brendan McCullum would be an outstanding prospect. So we'll just keep uh, uh, just keep an eye on that and developments in that direction. They haven't even, I don't think they've actually p- uh, picked a test coach either, a Red Bull coach either. That, that's still in the offing. So they've got a lot of work to do. Rob Key is the new general manager of the playing side of things and the team things. Uh, Rob Key, a former Kent cricketer, a commentator for uh, Sky over there in uh, recent times as well. Uh, he's charged with that responsibility and the... Uh, they're leaving the, naming the coaching staff quite late. So, but that series against New Zealand, that first test around New Zealand, is uh, on Lords on June the 2nd. That is not too far away at all, Logan. No, it's not. And, you know, speaking of this English team, of course, all we really know at this stage, Smithy, of they have a new test skipper, Ben Stokes. And uh, one thing that he's come out and said that he wants to see his predecessor, predecessor, Joe Root, return back to number four in the batting order in that series against New Zealand, Smithy. What do you what do you think of that? Yeah, I think that's a good spot for him. Uh, I think Joe Root has uh, been sacrificing himself from time to time. That's what happens when you're a captain. Um, you, you tend to take the mantle uh, in positions where um, other people haven't been doing their job. So you sort of chop and change. That generally means you probably go up the order a wee bit. And I think batting three is just a little bit too high uh, unless you can guarantee that you've got an opening combination of substance. And now that is the problem for English cricket, uh, for me. It's not so much... I mean, Joe Root's always going to be in the side. Ben Stokes is always going to be in the side. The problem is they have not got starts. They just do not have opening batsmen over there uh, that you could say are quality test players that you can rely on seven, eight times out of ten to get you a half-decent start. Compare that to Australia. They're always getting good starts rocketing away to good start. We are at the moment with Will Young, uh, Tom Latham, and that's the secret of where uh, you've got the luxury of your better players, your, your top class players, your number one players as such, uh, to come into the order. 
And that's why, I mean, Kane Williamson will acknowledge that right from the outset. Uh, Ross Taylor would too as well. When you're top order, and I mean your genuine top order, your, your opening batsmen are getting you away. They're nullifying the new ball. Uh, they're negating and, and waiting for the pitch conditions to change while they're out there more in favour of batting. I, I just think that's a, that's a better thing. So for me, that's what Ben Stokes has to find as captain. He's been very outspoken. He said, I've already spoken with Joe, asked him to go back to four. I'm going to be at six. And that just gives you an example of how strong uh, how powerful the captain is in the English cricket mix. It's what Ben Stokes wants to happen, not what the coach wants to happen or what the selection panel want to happen. It's what Ben Stokes wants to happen. Wherever Joe bats, he gets runs, but his best position is at four. He'll probably be averaging 90 now instead of 60, so that'll be good. He averages 51.27 at number four compared to 39.67 at three. And Stokes has said himself, I want to come in at six. So now they've got to find four players to bat around them really two openers a number three and a number five so still a lot of questions asked in that uh, English lineup yeah and one thing I find interesting Smithy you mentioned this last week I believe when we're talking about Ben Stokes you know they're in the search for their coaches over there in England and typically you would pick you know the coach might have a say in who was going to be captain but of course it's kind of gone the other way around here and uh, Ben Stokes is, sounds like he's calling a lot of the shots so when what do you think that kind of dynamic would be like when they do announce who is going to be coaching England well yeah that, it's it's a very good point actually um, what kind of coach do you want and, and what kind of coach will work with Stokes and one of the reasons why coaches go, come and go is because they don't get on with captains and if captains uh, are playing well um, i.e. Pat Cummins Justin Langer uh, obviously the symmetry or you know the synergy I should say there was just not right um, and he was able to occupy uh, and work well Justin Langer with Tim Payne uh, they, they were a good combo but the personality there was entirely different Justin Langer with Pat Cummins clearly and other senior players in there wasn't the right mix so Justin Langer despite being ultra successful, had to go. Now, Ben Stokes is a fairly, um, well, I wouldn't say, well, he's quite a quietly spoken sort of a guy. Where, um, you know, off the park, he's, he's had a lot of controversy. We know um, he's had controversy in his life. Um, you know, just late night antics, etc. But, you know, he's had to go through the mill. He's been through the mill over that. There's nothing tougher than having to face the onslaught of the British media. And he was able to, to get through that and come out the other side of it to be a World Cup hero, a test hero, uh, and absolutely turn things around. The one thing Ben Stokes has got going for him as he enters the job is the backing of the nation, and that is huge. Uh, the England cricket fans, and they are demanding as well, will be absolutely thrilled that Ben Stokes is there. As a, as a come and follow me, follow me, I'll, I'll show you the way sort of a leader. So they'll be very, very happy that they've got Stokes there in that capacity, just the, who they put alongside him. Who, I do not know. Uh, I, I think he's the kind of guy who's going to, uh, at some stage, uh, I, I think that he's the kind of guy who, who just has to uh, work along with Stokes and, and ease himself into the role alongside him. The, a previous coach was very good, Trevor Bayliss from, um, from Australia, who worked alongside uh, Joe Root. Uh, he, he, he was very good. He worked alongside Owen Morgan in the World Cup, and he let them, the players do their things, and he was an organiser behind the scenes. Uh, you know, a Mike Hessen-type person um, if you're looking at an organiser, an out and out organiser, never played test cricket as such, never played a high level of cricket, knows the game inside out and knows how to organise things behind the scenes and get everything in a row for the players to have no excuse for poor performance, to make it as simple as possible for them. So 
that, that to me, uh, a Mike Hessen type coach as opposed to a, a Justin Langer who's a, a, you know, a, fist, a fist punching type coach, I, I think that they're the kind of guys that probably will work with Ben Stokes a little bit better. All I can say right now, Smithy, is I hope the ECB listens to SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith after all of that. Well, they probably don't. That's, <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, and they're probably glad that they don't as well. But anyway, um, it is 11.51. Um, we'll have a, a short ad break, and when we come back, uh, Staffy's already been on this hour, but he's got four hours to fill this afternoon, and we'll find out how he's going to do that. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.